Welcome to the Fox River Podcast. Our mission is a heart for people and a message of Jesus. We hope you are encouraged in your faith through this message. Thanks for listening. Hey, Merry Christmas, everybody. Come on, give me some love here. Merry Christmas, everybody. There we go. If you're online, I hope you'll just type that right back in the chat as well. We're starting this brand new series called First Christmas. And what we want to do is we want to be able to reach back and take hold of the first Christmas while we reach into today and take hold of this Christmas and be able to experience Jesus in both of them. In fact, we also want to be able to tap into some of your first Christmas experiences that 2021 is going to be bringing you as well, both the good as well as the difficult. In fact, I think the way that we can set ourselves up this Christmas, all Christmases in the future, is to take hold of a truth from the first Christmas. It's really kind of an overarching lesson or this arc that stretches over every Christmas. And it's this, then the first Christmas, it was an experience of real joy and of real sorrow. In fact, there may have been an ornament like this that was hanging in the stable and it just kind of rotated in the wind as it blew. First Christmas, incredible joy. First Christmas, deep sorrow that was occurring at the same time. Let's look a little bit closer at it, shall we? If you happen to have a Bible with you, we're gonna turn together to the first Christmas story. It's found in Luke chapter two. If you got your phone with you, if you got a Bible app, just go to Luke chapter two as well. Um, I want us just to be able to continue to draw from this over these next weeks together. In fact, one of the purposes of our Advent videos is to help us to draw a little bit deeper into the story. And so we've got family ones that are there, we've got individual ones that are there, and if you haven't checked them out yet, I hope that you will. Hope that it really helps you in this Christmas experience that you are going to be in and as we're in together. Luke chapter two, beginning in verse number one, the Christmas story begins like this. In those days, Caesar Augustus issued a decree that a census should be taken of the entire Roman world. This was the first census that took place while Quirinius was the governor of Syria. And everyone went to their own town to register. So Joseph also went up from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea, to Bethlehem, the town of David, because he belonged to the house in the line of David. He went there to register with Mary, who was pledged to be married to him and was expecting a child. And while they were there, the time came for the baby to be born. And she gave birth to her firstborn, a son. She wrapped him in cloths, placed him in a manger because there was no guest room available for them. And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. And the angel of the Lord appeared to them. The glory of the Lord shone right about them. And they were terrified. But the angel said to them, do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all people. What I want us to do, if we could, for just a few minutes together, is I want us to put ourselves into the place of some real people. Because Christmas is all about real people, a real event, at a real place, at a real point in history. So I want you to put yourself in the place of Mary and Joseph for just a few minutes. 
And I want you to realize that the first Christmas brought to Mary and Joseph some incredible joy. I mean, talk about real joy. Beginning with this, I mean, Jesus had been born. This child that Mary had been carrying for nine months now, she now held in her arms. Any birth that is safely done and accomplished is a cause for great joy and rejoicing. And of course, Jesus being there, the Messiah now, only added to that. I think there was real joy also when the shepherds showed up and they related their account, angels appearing to them, this message that they'd just gotten. And to Joseph and Mary, it was incredible. There was never any doubt with Mary that the child she carried, it was a virgin conceived child. Now Joseph had gotten the message in a dream from God, hey, this child is virgin conceived child, but reality just continues to beat you down. The facts are like, <laughs> it's just gonna beat you down and beat you down, and I mean, Joseph's faith may have wavered a little bit, but when he hears this message and all of it coming back again, he's just like, thank you, God. Thank you for this affirmation. God, thank you for again just building and bolstering up my faith. And isn't it true with us? Don't you just experience joy when you have this encounter with God? When God does something to just like undergird your faith, to kind of pick you up and to, you know, to energize it again? I mean, it was real joy they were experiencing. And at the same time, there was real sorrow that was there. Question, may seem a little off topic right now. Who created Mickey Mouse? Who is the creator of Mickey Mouse? My God, everybody knows, right? The creator of Mickey Mouse was, right, like everybody knows. Walt Disney created Mickey Mouse, except he didn't. Mickey Mouse is created by a man by the name of Oob Iwerks. And there is a real story to this. And there's a drama that goes with it. Oob was friend with Waltz, and then they had this friendship breakup over Mickey. And then, but the later they're gonna get back together and they're gonna create something incredible as a result of that. Like, wow. Something everybody knows, like, but there's even more behind that story. Everybody knows when Joseph and Mary got to Bethlehem, they went to the where? Not a trick question. I mean, they went to where? Like they went to the inn, right? Because everybody knows that Mary and Joseph went to the inn and then they're going to get the bad news that there's no room in the inn. Because we all know that, right? Except it didn't. And the difference is the difference between bummer and deep sorrow. So let me tell you the story. Now we do know that Jesus was born in Bethlehem. And we know Bethlehem was five miles south of Jerusalem. William Albright, world-renowned archeologist, tells us that the population of Bethlehem at the time of Jesus' birth was less than 300 people, which meant there were less than 100 houses that made up Bethlehem. It was just a 
teeny community. In fact, there was only one industry in the entire community, and that was they raised sheep. The sheep and the lambs that would be used in Jerusalem for the sacrifice, that took place in Bethlehem. So with a small community like that, there was no Sheridan. (laughs) There was no Holiday Inn. There was no Motel 6. There was no need for anything because it was on a dead-end road to nowhere else. Nobody came to Bethlehem. In fact, that's one of the reasons why Joseph left his hometown. Because Joseph was a carpenter, which is where Jesus became a, what? Yeah, Jesus carpenter, right? So that's where he got it from. And so he had gone north to Nazareth, and there was a lot of work. History tells us there was a lot of building and construction that was going on up there. And he was there. He was about 17, 18 years old until he has to go back and return home again. Now, why did Joseph have to go back home? Well, because in your hometown, that was where the taxation was going to be registered for. Now, when you go home, where do you usually stay? Right, not, again, not a true question. When you go home, you usually stay where? Yeah, you usually stay at home, which is what Joseph's expectation was. The guest room was waiting for him. But here's where the story really takes a bit of a twist. Now, if you know the other Christmas story, the Gospel of Matthew chapter one tells us a little bit more about the Christmas story. We learned this, that Mary and Joseph were engaged to be married. Now, every Jewish engagement at that time was set up by the families. So Joseph's parents met with Mary's parents, and they agreed that their children would be married. And that's just the way that every, all the marriages took place. And they would have been, except Mary turns out to be pregnant. And to Joseph, like, this is a deal breaker, because he knows the child isn't my child. So we are not getting married. And Joseph's family was completely supportive of that. We don't want those kind of people in our family. The small town of Bethlehem that everybody knew everything, right? Less than, you know, less than 100 houses there. Like, no, like we are righteous people. Like, in the, in the you know, moral sense of the word. But then... Joseph just up and marries Mary to his family's chagrin. In fact, they're thinking like, what the heck are you doing, Joseph? Have you lost your mind? Do you know the shame that that brings to us, the shame that it brings on the community and everybody picked it up at that point? And so now Joseph and Mary, because the law have to go back home and they hear these words, literally, not a place for them in the guest room. The word that um, Luke is using here, katalamate, it never means in, never means a room for rent or anything like that. It's It's always a personal room in a dwelling. He talks about a different word for in, and he uses that later in his book. I mean, there was just no mistake about this. What would it be like to go home and hear, you are not welcome here. No guest room 
for you. All that they were offered, and maybe it was just this compromise, is you can go to the cave stable and put up there as long as you're in town. And the, you know, the sooner you leave, like the better that way. This is a typical home in Bethlehem at, at Jesus' day. And as you're looking, I always think a picture you know, really helps. You see the house, there's small, you know, like, you know, small dwellings there. But notice the cave that is underneath. Again, this is typical of the homes there, and it's one of the reasons why they did what they did there too. So when the sheep came in, when the livestock were coming in, they may have put a little bit of a gate in front that way, but it wasn't a barn. It wasn't an elaborate stable in that sense at, at, at all. And that's where they were staying because they weren't welcome in the house. Mary, she has to go through the delivery of her first child without the help of other people. In fact, it was only Mary and Joseph. We know this because, remember reading in the scriptures, that Mary took the baby and wrapped him in cloths, the swaddling clothes. She laid him in the manger, the feeding trough right there. And if there would have been a midwife, that was the midwife's job. She would have wrapped the baby up. She would have taken care of that way, but there was nobody to help. And if you're all alone in that, that is sorrow. And because they're real people, I just want you to think about, especially if you're a man here, think about Joseph. As he realizes, this is the, this is the surround, this is the provisions I've made for my family. We are in an open cave. There is no privacy for what's just taken place here. And it is used just as a shelter for animals. It stinks. You talk about animal dung. I mean, like everything that goes with that. I mean, it's just there. It's not made for humans to live in at all. And that's how he provides for his family. That's how he takes care of God's child. The first Christmas, we're talking about real sorrow and real joy. And this is how the first Christmas existed. This Christmas. For almost every single one of us, it can be a time in which there is great joy. And at the same time, a time for real sorrow. The further away you live from Waukesha, if you're watching online, you may not be able to feel this as much as those of us in the surrounding communities, but just two weeks ago, you talk about our world being rocked. There is a shadow that hangs over our community and in our lives and the people that we know and people that are still in the hospital and they're struggling. And we go like, there is sorrow that we're gonna carry into this Christmas. Some people go like, we should just cancel Christmas because of what's happened. But even if that wouldn't have happened, this Christmas, it may be your first Christmas that you're divorced. It may be your first Christmas that you are without somebody that you loved. And it is a time of true sorrow that you're going into. In fact, there's some ways, again, it's like you don't even want to do Christmas because of that. For some, this is going to be your first Christmas that you have cancer. 
and all of that that's going in your mind. This is your first Christmas, and there's just such a family dissension that's going on right now. People are not talking to each other. And whether it's been political and whether it's been medical or whatever's going on, you could just, you know, the tension's so thick, you can cut it with a knife. These are first Christmas experiences for you, and it is rocking you, and it is just bringing this sorrow to you. Now, what do you do if that's the case? You find this Christmas that you are in a place of sorrow. God says, here's a word. I want you to know that I understand and I'm with you. He doesn't simply say like, I know, I'm God, I know everything, so of course I know what's going on. He goes like, no, I understand what it is that you're feeling why it is that you're feeling this deep sorrow that's in you, and I want you to know that I am with you. One of the names given to Jesus on the first Christmas was Emmanuel, and it means this, God is with us. Personalized, it means this, God is with you. And he said, I want you to take the sorrow and the anxiety and the burden you're carrying, and I want you to come to me with it. Because he says, I want you to cast your care upon me, because I care for you. And take those words to heart with the sorrow that you're carrying. But this Christmas, it's not only going to be a time of sorrow, but there's this joy that is going to take place. And here's where we're already feeling a bit of the rub or the awkwardness. It's like, how can I be so happy this Christmas when there's such sorrow that's around me? And we're almost like, like, I don't want to be happy. I'm going to downplay the joy that's in my life because of the difficulties that other people are going through. And that's exactly what the devil wants. Because the devil's joy comes in seeing the Christian's joy lost. Think about that. He is happy when you are not. And that's why he'll do everything he can to steal our joy. Which kind of brings us back again to what do you do when this is an ornament that you could be hanging on your Christmas tree this year? Well, understand, with Jesus, we can have this, and we can have this at the same time and be okay. We can experience both with Jesus because he did. In fact, we learned this about Jesus Isaiah 53 tells us that Jesus was a man of sorrow and he was acquainted with grief. He goes like, grief is a regular part. I understand grief. I understand sorrow. And at the same time, Jesus said, these things have I said to you, John 15, that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. You can be full of joy and have sorrow at the very same time. So we gotta do something with this, right? I mean, it's a powerful truth. And once I understand, it's kinda like, so this is the freeing truth of Christmas. If you find that you are in this time of sorrow, here's what we need to do. We need to start by moving toward it. If you see friends, if you know others, and they're hurting right now, you know what God wants us to do? He wants us to go to them. In fact, Romans 12 starts out this way. I want you to, to weep 
with those that weep. In other words, go to them and sit with them. Don't try to fix them, but be there as somebody who is a friend, who is a supporter. In fact, you talk about being able to bless a person, what we've talked about here. You just begin with prayer. Pray for them. Listen to them. Eat, spend time with them. Serve them. Share the story of Jesus with them. Be there. Now, if it's you, if this is your first Christmas and you're the one in sorrow, well, first and foremost, Jesus said, would you bring it to me? Because I care for you. But after doing that, please, don't do what comes natural. Because what comes natural is this, when we're in sorrow, we want to step back and we want to close up. We don't want to have anybody else around us, do we? We don't want anybody to bless us, do we? We don't even want to have to talk to people because we feel like we're just going to hurt by ourselves. But there's no help in that hurting. So please don't do what comes natural, but allow other people to come alongside you to be the grace givers that God wants in your life as well. Now, Romans 12, 2 doesn't only say to weep with those that weep, it also says it's to rejoice with those that rejoice. Because one of the things that we need to make sure that we're doing this Christmas is that we are celebrating and rejoicing in all of the goodness of God that we have to the fullness. If you start to feel a little bit of joy, guilt, oh, I feel guilty because of the, you know, the good things I've got going on in my life. Remember this, that is not of God. Again, that is the one who wants to steal your joy. If you have the opportunity this Christmas to spend time with your family, man, make sure you do it. If you've got time to spend time with friends, if you have the ability to bless other people, to have them over to enjoy you know, Christmas parties with others, after what we've been through in the last weeks, in the last year, you know, in the period that we're in right now, don't miss the opportunity to step into the joy that God has given to you in your life. Because you can hold joy and sorrow at the very same time. I hope this Christmas that you're going to be giving and receiving. Giving in this way. This Christmas, I hope that you will join with us in my gift for Jesus. Fifteen years ago, God led us to partner with some of the poorest of the poor on the planet. To be able to go in and to help to partner to see life change occur and take place. Now, if you'll go with us, and I hope everybody could, but if you go with us to Kenya or Nicaragua, I can guarantee you this, the poverty over there will wreck you. You won't come back the same. You talk about sorrow, deep sorrow over what people are going through, conditions that people are living in. And then on the very same trip, you are gonna receive such joy when you realize the difference that is being made in individual lives and in the difference that you're making in a person's life too. As we heard earlier, we support a child, $25 a month, 300 bucks a year. We'll take somebody like Frederick and it will change his life. It will change his family's life. It will change the community that he lives in. It will change his eternity.
So Fox River, I wanna call you up again this year. As I've done every year for the past 15 years. And I wanna challenge you, will you give to Jesus on his birthday the same amount of money that you are spending on other people on his birthday, whatever that amount is? Would you give that to somebody like Frederick here? We don't keep a penny of this in-house for Fox River. I mean, it all goes for life-changing difference that way. I'm gonna keep, Frederick needs to be sponsored. He's in fourth grade. You may have a fourth grader at home or you just may wanna help with Frederick. I'm gonna put that in my pocket and if you wanna see me right after the service, just come right up to me and say, I want, I wanna, I wanna change. I wanna help Frederick, be cool. But as we're talking about giving, there's also the receiving. And I'll wrap everything up with this. This Christmas, make sure that you are not ignoring God's gift to you. That gift is Jesus. I said before, Jesus is the one that's allowing us to be able to take hold of both and maintain joy through it. In fact, the name Jesus is what God told Joseph he needed to call Jesus. The name Jesus means God saves. God went on to tell Joseph because he will save his people from their sin. And there is a place of incredible sorrow. And because Jesus was able to experience the deepest sorrow here, he is able to give the greatest joy and a joy that will take us all into eternity. He did here at the cross what you couldn't do, what I couldn't do for myself. He paid the debt of my sin. And when we come to the cross, we come in sorrow. We come repentant. We come acknowledging, I need forgiveness from God. And we receive by grace forgiveness the ability to actually become a child of a living God and all that comes with it too. And if you haven't trusted Jesus yet, I hope that this Christmas, you'll be able to say, this is the first Christmas that I've got Jesus as my savior. And I hope you do that today. For all that have Jesus, he has given you the ability to take hold of sorrow and take hold of joy together have joy continue to carry you forward aren't you looking forward to this Christmas now I am so looking forward to this would you join with me in prayer God just as Joseph and Mary experienced both real joy and real sorrow at the first Christmas this Christmas we are going to find ourselves in the same place reasons that just break our heart that grieve us tears we weep over those that we don't have with us this Christmas we'll have reason to rejoice your goodness your grace blessings that we have in life help us to take hold of both with great strength strength that comes from you Jesus and for those that are here they're ready to trust you Jesus as their Lord and Savior to come to the cross in sorrow and ask for your forgiveness. 
Friend, if that's your prayer, you've not trusted Jesus yet, but today you are ready to put your faith and trust in him and to call upon him as your Lord and Savior. I'd like to ask you, would you just, with an upraised hand, acknowledge that now? Online, yeah, thank you. Online, you can just put that into the chat as well. Others, sometimes it takes me just a second to see if you can wave it. Yeah, you can put it down then. Thank you. Thank you, Jesus, for saving grace. Thank you for saving grace in our life. Thank you for Christmas. We pray this in your name and everybody in agreement said, amen. If you were encouraged by today's talk, be sure to subscribe and share with your friends. Visit us online at foxriverchristian.org or check us out in person. Thanks again for listening to the Fox River Podcast. Oh, 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 oh,